You see the the title of the series that we find ourselves in, Upside Down Christmas in May. So here's the question, a couple of them for you this morning. First question is, have you ever opened a Christmas present late? Maybe it was because of, of your spot, your place, maybe you had to work, maybe you couldn't get home for Christmas, but you had to open a gift late, or maybe for some of you moms in the audience, maybe it was the gift was the son or the daughter, and they didn't get there till late, and therefore that was the, the gift. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and, and there's a gift that is given. There's actually multiple gifts that are given, and we'll get there. But I know all of your manger scenes at the house, when you buy them from the store, they come with three wise men, and that is a part of the scene. But they were not there. They were what you and I might call late. But we'll see today that they weren't late either. But they weren't there. But when they came and experienced Jesus, it changed them. So the second question, and the more pertinent question for us this morning. If you were to come face to face with Jesus, if you were to see Him, If you were to see him today, students, adults, would you allow him to change you? Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let me read for us these verses and try to answer that question this morning. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, down through verse 12, it states, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They, the chief priests and the scribes, they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. The prophet is Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we, as we hear those words, Father, as we think about that, that moment, that episode in the life of all those men and all those, those women in, those, in that day, but also the life of this one child. Jesus, You came for, for one purpose. Not, not just to be born so people would see You as a baby, as, as a child, but Lord, Lord, You came as a child to die for me. Thank You. You came to die for us. So that those words that we just sang, the, the ashes of defeat on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, Father, You would bring us out of that through Your Son's death. Thank You, Jesus. I, I pray that You would come close this morning to us, Father. For those of us that know You in this room this morning, Father, that, that You, God, You would shine in our hearts. And Father, You would change us. Lord, for those that, that don't know You in this room, Father, they would come to know You because You love them and You desire for that to occur. So thank You for saving us. Jesus, thank You for all that You have done. For coming out of the grave so that we might live. I ask it in Your name, Lord. Amen. Three truths this morning seeking to answer that question. First truth, signals have been given of His coming. Signals and signs are given of Jesus' coming. It's right there in Scripture in Matthew chapter 2. There was a sign. That sign was a star. A star rose in the east 
from where these wise men were, and they saw it. And because of that sign, because of that star, they saddled up the donkeys, and they started out on their trek. They saw the sign. And that sign led them to Jerusalem. And you're like, they saw a star? Out of the thousands that any of us might see on a clear dark night, they saw a star. And that changed them. Yes. I don't know how many of you spent any of your time last week reading a couple of histories of that day. I read some cliff notes. I did not read those histories, but I did read some cliff notes. In the year that Jesus was born, there were three astronomical phenomena in the sky. May the 29th of that year, there was an astronomical phenomena that happened when Jupiter and Saturn crossed paths. And as it crossed paths, it lit up the sky. It also happened in October, and it, and it happened again in November. I don't know if that was the astronomical phenomenon. But if you read this passage, something happened in the sky, they saw it, and they jotted down, hey, something happened in the sky. No, they saw it, and they saddled up everything that they had, and they went some 1,200 miles, not on an interstate, not 70-plus miles an hour. No, they traveled day and night for months because of this sign. You're like, how in the world? Who are these guys in the first place? Well, let's talk about them for a second. The wise men, they were magi. We see them on our coffee tables and end tables in our manger scenes as three. There was probably way more than three. Because three guys coming into town in Jerusalem, could that make the city an uproar with three guys coming into town? Possibly, but probably not. Where were they from? They were from a place called Persia, present-day Iraq, you're like, how did they even know about Jerusalem? Thank you for asking. There was this man by the name of Daniel. He was a Jew. And when all of Israel disobeyed God, God allowed a couple of countries to come in and take over Israel. First, it was the Babylonians. Then, the Babylonians got defeated by the Medes and the Persians, but Daniel found himself in the court of the king of Persia. And as he was there, he was devout. He prayed three times a day. Everything that he did, everything that he said, was to be pleasing to the one true God. And everybody around him hated it. 
They hated it so much that they wanted him dead. And they said, hey, king, why don't you write this new law? And so he wrote a law and it stated, if you bow down to anybody, if you pray to anything, anybody except me, the king, for 30 days, you'll go to the lion's den. And as soon as he put the final period on that, they escorted him to Daniel's house who had his windows open and he was praying to God and said, hey, throw him in the lion's den. And he said, I got to do it, Daniel. And all night, the king could not sleep. And as soon as the sun came over the horizon, he ran to the lion's den calling out, Daniel, is it that you are alive? Did your God save you? And he says, oh king, I have not done anything wrong. And he threw all those guys who wanted Daniel dead, he threw them in the lion's den. But then there was another time when the king had a dream and none of the wise men, 120, 150 wise men, none of them could interpret the dream and he was going to kill them all. And Daniel said, "Uh, king, don't do that. My God will tell me what your dream is. Don't kill them, these wise men. And God interpreted the dream that the king had and the wise men were able to live. And when that occurred, I am almost positive. I wasn't there, not that old, but I'm almost positive that Daniel gave them the Old Testament and allowed them to see 300 plus prophecies. 300 plus prophecies that there was a king coming. And maybe, just maybe, generation after generation, this has been passed down. And these wise men, they remember reading of Numbers chapter 23. I'm not going to ask you if you have read Numbers chapter 23 lately. But it is a neat story, and you need to read it. In Numbers chapter 23, there is this prophet. His name is Balaam. And he's not the greatest prophet of the day, because he is wooed, and he is changed by some coin. So if you want a good word, just pay him, and he will tell you a good word. And Balak the king wanted Israel cursed. And he said, I can't do it. And he said, how about I double the pay? He said, I can't do it. How about I triple the pay? Okay, we can do that. So he got on his donkey and starts going down the path. And as he's going down the path, the donkey veers into the wall and scratches his foot and he beats the donkey. He goes down the path a little further and the donkey swerves the other direction and crushes his foot up against the wall. And he swears and beats the donkey. Can I get a witness? Y'all ever done that with your animal? But what Balaam does not see and what the donkey is allowed to see is that the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn is in the middle of the path. And the donkey is saving Balaam's life. Finally, a third time. The angel of the Lord is standing there and there's nowhere to pass on the right or on the left and he is just there and the donkey will not move. Balaam, oh, he's so mad. He is so mad. And God opens the donkey's mouth 
in Numbers chapter 23. If you read verses 16 and 17 of Numbers chapter 23 and down through the end of the chapter, even to um, chapter 24, verse 17, there's a conversation. And I have a Cocker Spaniel at the house, and I talk to the Cocker Spaniel, but the Cocker Spaniel has never spoken to me. And if the Cocker Spaniel ever did speak to me, we would talk about the Cocker Spaniel speaking to me. But Balaam, when the donkey talks, the donkey says, Hey, Balaam, I have been your donkey for all your life. Have I ever done this to you before? Balaam does not say, What in the world are you talking to me? No, Balaam says, No, you've never done this. And as that conversation continues, God opens the eyes of Balaam to see the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn. Balaam goes and he pronounces this. In Numbers chapter 24, here's what he states in verse number 17. Numbers 24, 17, he says this, A star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. All of that prophecy, all of that prophecy meant that a king would rule the whole world, would bring a blessing to all the nations of the earth through this one So they see a star in the sky. And they go. Do you know there's been signs given to you and me of His coming? There have been signs given for us to understand His coming. I told you of the 300 plus in the Old Testament that spoke of His first coming. Now if you look in the New Testament, there are... Prophecy after prophecy after prophecies given for you and me to see His coming again. Ah, it's just coincidence. Ah, yeah, there's another war. Oh, yeah, there's a volcano. As the day approaches... Scripture states over and over and over again. Will you see the signs? And if you see them, will you adhere to those signs? Second truth. Not only are there signs given of the Messiah's coming, but you and I see that some people get the message while others won't. It's not that they don't. It's that they won't. Won't. Some see the message while others won't. Look there in the verses again in Matthew chapter 2. states this, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, 
He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, the ones who are supposed to know, where is the Christ to be born? And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written by the prophet, out of you this will come. I need you to catch this. Some will see the message and others won't. These that had come to Jerusalem were thousands, 1,500 miles, 16, 1,900 miles away, and they came when they saw the message. And Bethlehem is six miles. Six miles from where they were having this conversation with Herod. Herod wouldn't go six miles to see the king. The chief priest, the scribes who knew they wouldn't go six miles to see the king. That's like from right here, they wouldn't go to Church Road. No, not going to do it. Would you go six miles? Six miles. Some people get the message while others won't. Look who got the message. These wise men from a thousand miles away. They got it loud and clear. They saw this sign. They saw the star from the east. They were in the east. They saw it. But the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious, those who go to church, those who are supposed to know, those who went to Sunday school, all the way growing up, They don't get it. Look what Luke records in Acts chapter 17. Let me read for you five more verses. It states this, but then, excuse me, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone and an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now He, has, he commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Look at verse 32. Now when they heard, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. And Luke records this. So Paul went out from their midst but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius and Ariel of the Areopagite 
and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Like, what does that have to do with this? Here's what it has to do. Every time the name of Jesus is spoken, every time the name of Jesus is proclaimed, every time He is shown, there will be those who get the message. There will be those who mock the message. And there will be those who are inquisitive about the message. But the message goes forth. For you and for me, the message goes forth. Do you get that message? Do you get Him? You and I are closer than six miles from Him at this moment. For some of us, we've bowed the knee, we've confessed with our mouth, but then we decide to go on and take the throne again. You're His. You say you're His. You say that He's changed your life. You say that you get the message, yet you and I oftentimes will take Him off the throne and say, I want this instead of you. Third truth, trying to answer the question for all of us this morning. When they saw him, two things happened. They worshiped and they gave gifts. Let's talk about the gifts first. Gifts are given to the king. There were gifts given to this baby because of who he is. They knew when they left Persia that they were going to see a king and they Prepared to see the king. They brought gifts. Three are stated here. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold spoke. It was a gift of royalty. It spoke of his sovereign reign. It is this gift that they gave to the king. It was precious then and it is precious now. Gold was given to this king. But then there was frankincense. Frankincense spoke to his sinless deity. Adrian Rogers stated it this way, what's God saying here? God's saying that frankincense is the base of the holy incense that is most holy. In the Old Testament, he spoke of, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put all these different spices together and then with it, pure frankincense. And I want you to sprinkle this ointment Right in front of the tent of meeting, right in front of the tabernacle, when you come in on that day of Yom Kippur, and that incense will be lifted up into my nostrils, and I will not send my wrath. What he's saying is this, that that incense, as it would rise up out of the tabernacle and the temple, it speaks of the prayers, the worship of the saints that goes to Almighty God. And what did these wise men recognize? Rogers continues. Why were they indeed wise as they were wise? They brought gold. They recognized His sovereign dominion. And then they brought frankincense. They recognized His sinless Deity, Jesus Christ 
is God a very God. But then they brought myrrh. They gave a baby myrrh. Myrrh was only given, was only used to embalm a person. That's what it was used for. Myrrh was given to embalm a person. What a gift. Costly? Yes. But more prophetic about the end of his life than the beginning. Showing, stating that Jesus came to die. But there was one more gift. One that you and I might overlook. If you look there in those verses, you see this. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And look at verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. When you see Jesus, what do you do? When you see Jesus, what do you do? Do you talk about him? Man, I saw him. Man, that was that was a great verse. Man, I need to write that one down and remember that one. My husband needs to hear that one. When when you see Jesus, what do you do? When you come in this place and we sing praises to him, when you, when you hear his word proclaimed, What do you do? Some of us laugh about it. Some of us mock it. But when they saw Jesus, they fell down and worshipped Him. It changed everything. He changed everything. And for those of us who mock Jesus, for those of us who smirk and laugh at God's Word, for those of us who read God's Word and it is speaking directly to you and it is speaking directly to me and it does not change us, we totally miss it. But these guys didn't. These wise men. They didn't. They got exactly what Paul was saying to those in Rome when he said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You and I are here today to give a gift to the King. That's why you came why you should have come.
We are here today to give a gift to our King. Did you prepare this morning to come to worship? Not got a match so I don't look weird. Not, hey, did I get all the buttons in the right place so the shirt's right, socks. No. Did, did you prepare your heart this morning to come to worship? Because you can sit in this room and worship is occurring because He is here. He is in this place. He is right here, right now. Because whatever the astronomical phenomena that was happening in the sky, when they made it to the house, it came down and it was not a huge planet or multiple planets right there on the top of this house in Bethlehem. It wasn't a, a star that's thousands the size of the earth. No, it was, I believe it was the Shekinah glory of Almighty God who came to rest on this house so that they would enter and worship the King. I pray you don't come so close to Him today and miss Him. You're hearing this today for a reason. Son or daughter, sir or ma'am, you're hearing this today for a reason. He is trying to tell you how much He loves you. How much He desires for you to see and know Him. Some of you are a thousand miles away from Him. Some of you are six miles away from Him. Whether you and I are a thousand miles away or we are six miles away, we still miss Him if we stay there. As I close, let me say a couple of words to students. Let me say a couple of words to adults. Students. Some of you right now are planning out your life. You're thinking that, hey, I'm going to be this or that. I'm going to start focusing in on this area or that area. Maybe it's a doctor. Maybe it's a mechanic. It's nursing. It's cosmetology. Maybe it's computer programming. I don't know what it is, but you are becoming more focused in a field as you hit junior high and as you hit high school and in future days as you go to college. You know, every Sunday you sit about where you are sitting. And during the week, I find myself walking through this area some, and my prayer has been, and it will continue to be, that you would see Him so near. You would see Him so clearly that you would put aside possibly a semester 
possibly a year, even your life's desire to do what He wants you to do because you see it. That He would change the, director, the trajectory of your whole life because you see Him. And it's not just for them. Adults, it's for us as well. You have come close today. His Word has been spoken today. And He is calling you not, not just to see Him, but He is calling for us. He's calling me to say, all right, I see you and I will change everything because of who you are. Family, you don't compare to Jesus. Leisure, you don't compare to Jesus. Work, you don't compare to Jesus. When I see Him, when you see Him, Monday's different. Tuesday's different, folks. Saturday night's different. Thursday, every moment of the day, it is different when we see. Don't miss it. Heavenly Father, I know Your Word states. Father, I know Your Word states in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, Father, that because He was obedient, even to the point of death and death on the cross, You, Father, You, highly exalted Him and gave Him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, every tongue in this room will confess that Your Son, the second of the Trinity, Jesus is Lord. Every knee in this room, Father, will bow down to you. On May the 13th, 2018, Sir, ma'am, the choice is yours. The choice isn't, will you bow? That's not the choice in front of you this morning. Because you will bow. I will bow my knee and I will confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. The question is the location of where you and I will do that. You and I will either have the opportunity, we will take the opportunity to do it here, meaning in this life, or we will do it 
standing before Him at the throne of judgment. But every single one of us in this room will bow the knee and every single one of us in this room will confess that He is Lord. And depending on where you do it, sir, depending on where you bow the knee, ma'am, is where you will spend eternity. He has come close this morning and He desires for you and He desires for me to know Him, to see Him, and to be changed. When you see Him, will you allow Him to change you? As we stand and as we join in to our time of response, will you think about that? And will you obey? You stand and join us as we sing.